0: Well, you know, like Glenn was saying, Scott is, uh, with his boys, they got a trip to Denver to go watch the Broncos, like, whatever, <laughs> the Broncos, but, uh, and so, you know, me and Scott were kind of talking over the last couple of weeks, and about a month or so, and just chatting, <coughs> so you guys are stuck with me for the next two weeks, Woo! <coughs> yeah, don't, don't do that yet, because probably by the end you're gonna be like no he's not coming back um a cool story is it's like uh this last semester of school I've been working on the Pauline epistles and uh I got super excited And I was sharing with Scott like oh my gosh this is what I'm learning oh yeah and and then we were chatting like last week and he said hey like would you want to preach on Sunday and I was like man yes and he goes you know how about like Try your little hand at a series. Like, I've done some preaching, but never like a little, like, series. So I'm kind of like, hey, I got two weeks to, you know, get this right. Um, Yeah, awesome. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at Galatians. And my question, my thought as I've been preparing, and it's actually as I've been walking through this semester of school um, and and going through the epistles, um, I had to write a paper on Galatians. I'm not going to brag, but it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> but with the season of my life and, and, and doing and writing this paper, um, you know, I, I started reading and thinking and, and the question that kept popping out, is Jesus enough? Like when you read the book of Galatians, you, for me personally, it was like, is Jesus enough? And as I was going through this semester, I started thinking like, man, I mean, there's some areas of my life where... I was making Jesus not enough. Like, I, I, I was literally holding to my own gospel, my own thought, or my own pleasure, or own wants. And so, um, through that conviction, it was like, man, is is he really enough? And so, as I was talking with Scott, I was like, man, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it two weeks on the book of Galatians. And he was like, awesome. So, let's let's kind of get into it. And so, the coolest thing about this season of my life is... is um, Prior to California, I, I've never – coming to Chelan, I football was my thing. Like, hey, I'm a football coach, right? Like, hey, he's a football coach because that's the sport I played in high school and college. Like, that's me, Like, you know, football. Um, and this year, I don't know what he was thinking, but he's like, hey, Coach Chambers, would you want to be the head wrestling coach? I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this year – This is my first year here in Chelan as the head wrestling coach for Chelan High. Now I have head coaching experience before. I was a head coach for a year in California for wrestling. And a couple years I was, you know, just kind of around the wrestling mat, used as a practice dummy. Really don't know a whole lot about it. (laughs) Um, But uh, this semester, as I was going through uh, the book of Galatians, as I was preparing to write my uh, paper, um, wrestling season started. Now you're like, oh my gosh, how's wrestling got to do with? Galatians, yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, but you know, the funny thing is, there's about two to three weeks of before any meets, before any any matches, you know, of practice. Okay, and so for like two to three weeks, we're practicing. Me and my assistant coaches, and we're we're with these guys. And like for instance, we're teaching guys when they're on the bottom how to get out. Like if you're on the bottom, bottom position, how do you escape? How do you get out? And so we're teaching, like whether it's a a slide and sit or sit and and roll out or whatever the case may be, we're teaching this, right? We're teaching for three weeks. We're teaching inside ties. We're we're teaching, you know, just all this different stuff. First match comes, okay? First match, out the gate. I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, bubble gets, you know? Like thinking to myself, man, first time coach here, please, Jeff, don't look stupid, right? Get to the match couple matches go, and then it's my turn to sit in the chair. Like, I didn't earn that privilege yet, you know, with wrestling. I don't know if you're familiar with wrestling. They got two chairs for each side of the team, and the coaches sit in the chair, and they're, like, cheering their kids on and telling them what to do. And so first couple matches, I just was, like, ner- so nervous, I, like, kind of threw up a little in my mouth. Yeah. And so I was like, I can't get out there. And so one of the coaches giving me gum and water, and so I'm, like, finally, like, coach, you got to get in the chair. And so I'm sitting in the chair. Boom. It's on, right? Me and one of my coaches, Randy Gleesman. We're sitting in the chair. We're chatting. Boom, 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 talking. And this kid that's out here wrestling is a stud for Shalene. I'm not going to use any names. Stud, awesome. We're like, this kid's got it, right? He's wrestling. He's doing a host. Ah, yeah. Ooh, ah. And then all of a sudden, he reaches back. A no-no in wrestling. You never reach back, okay? But in middle school... You can reach back and you're fine, because if you're a great athlete, you'd probably out be out stronger than the guy or whatever the case may be. So he reaches back. We get on the bus, we're heading home. And I'm sitting and I'm starting to read my Bible. Because I gotta write this paper when I get home. And I'm reading, I'm reading Galatians. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, God, you are hilarious. Because as he's as I'm reading Galatians, as the, the the scripture is coming off the page. All I can image is my wrestler reaching back. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight, or t- this morning, tonight. I wish it was nighttime. Because um, <laughs> that means I wouldn't be here, I'd be done, all right? But uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Galatians. We're t- today, my, my, my goal, my, my vision is to go through the first three books. Trust me, we're, I'm not long-winded, we'll keep it short little snapshots throughout the first three, but we're really going to be looking at chapter three, verses 15 through 25. That's where my main scripture is going to be coming out. But to get there, I want to kind of give you guys some background. So first off, we're going to be looking at who Paul, uh, the who is Paul writing to the Galatians? What the gospel of Christ is enough? Is it? Is the gospel? And why? Paul's love for the Galatian church. Now, let me give you a little backdrop. Okay, this is around 47 AD. I'm giving you this story. Around 47 AD, Paul is sent out in the book of Acts. It it tells him he is sent out. This is when Paul comes through his conversion. This is when he's no longer persecuting Christians. He's actually sent out on mission. This takes place in Acts 13. And he sent out him and Barnabas, and they go to this this area, this, this, this surrounding area, Galatia. It's not a city. It's actually an area. Okay? I want to believe it's the southern region. Some people say it's the northern. I think it's the southern. Through my research, we can arm wrestle about it later. I just use something Scott says. <laughs> just had to pay some homage. Okay, so, okay, so Paul goes out. Okay? He is hanging out with these folks, these people. <coughs> and as a coach, as a teacher, um, I like what it says here. Um, it's right here. Uh, in Paul's day, it was common for children between age six and puberty to be under the care of a, a pedagogy, a.k.a. tutor, teacher, coach. Uh, they protected them from evil influences and demanded their obedience. So here's Paul and Barnabas, his buddy, and they're out and they're sent on mission to this region and for a, a time, they're teaching them the gospel. They're literally walking through the gospel with them. It's kind of like, you got to think too, that back then they didn't have big old churches, okay? They met in homes. They were families. They, They would be together, like hanging out together, living life together. And so Paul is spending his time going from little area to little area, and he's teaching them the gospel. Like how legit is that? You got Paul who's sent completely by Christ out teaching now before we talk about Galatia let's talk about Paul just for a moment let's stop and really look at Paul Paul's former self was about to abruptly change course when he was set out to fully engage in taking down any of the Christian followers we see in Acts the start of chapter 9 when Christ enters Saul's life Saul gets this, this thought in his head. He was, to give you a little backdrop too, Saul is the guy who is holding the coats for the, the guys who end up killing the disciple Stephen. And he's like cheering them on. Like Paul's leaning into that. He's leaning into persecuting Christians. Paul's so fired up. He's like, man, he, you got to think about Paul. Jewish with Roman uh, citizenship. So he had like the double-edged sword. He was highly taught. It talks about Paul as being this guy who was like just on charge, academic, he was in the academic world. He just, he knew the gospel. He knew of the, the laws, He all that stuff. But he was like, I'm going after every Christian. Everyone that follows Christ, that's who I'm going after. And it talks about Paul as he's heading out onto Damascus to go and chase down Christians Jesus enters his life. He's on this road to Damascus. And, and, and Jesus asked him a simple question. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? At this very moment, Christ could literally lay the fist in the Paul. like he could literally just kill him off. He could just, I mean, he, he think about what would Christ, Like, it would have been okay. You got to think about that. Like, Paul is out persecuting his followers. Jesus had every right to protect his home. This is the craziest thing, though. Christ literally could have laid into Paul, but instead, he showed love and strength. And He told Paul, like, man, I'm going to send you out. And that's kind of where we get to this. This is like Paul's, like, first mission out going to Galatia. So if you really stop and think about it, like, these folks are his babies. Like, if you stop and think about it, this would be like, I I use it to this thought of me and my wife being launched here to Shilland. Like, coming from California, this is my first, like, I've done ministry, but this is the first time I've got to work for a church. Like, this is the first time I've got to be a part of a church family. Like, that'd be like me leaving and then a year coming back and seeing everything I taught, like, be thrown out the window. Like, for Paul, this, like, hits home for, for me because, man, I struggle, like, with certain things as far as being good enough to be a youth pastor or good enough to be working for a church. Like, I struggle now, like, man, am I even... And so, like, for Paul, you know, in... in Chapter 1, verse 6, he he flat out says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Like, you got to think, Paul is like hurt, like heart broke. Like, you're turning away from the life giver. It's kind of like the wrestler reaching back, you're reverting back to what you did in middle school. You're now in high school. There's another level to this. But you're still reaching back. You're converting back to what's easy. And that's what Paul is talking about. What are they reverting back to? Paul has been teaching in 47 AD. He, around that time, he was teaching them the gospel. Like, the gospel is what saves. 48 shows up. And what they end up doing is not only is it the gospel, but it's the gospel plus this. Okay? For this... Time, it's the gospel plus circumcision and the Mosaic law and following it wholeheartedly. It's, it's adding something. Right now, I, for myself, it could be the gospel plus, man, I want people to love me. Like, I want, I want this valley to like me. Or the gospel, and hey, I want to fit in. Or the gospel, and it's it's all about my family. Like I'm going to put them before the gospel sometimes. Or or it's the gospel and your job. Or the gospel and how you're being looked upon. Or the gospel, or whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, it's sin. The minute we add anything to the gospel, that's what it turns into, and that's what Paul is trying to tell them. But but in, if you look at verse. Uh, Verse 15, but when God who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach among the Gentiles. And so you got these Galatians, the Gentiles, they're Greek, they're not of Jewish descent. And Paul is sitting here saying, man, I've walked with you guys, you you lonely people, I've taught you up, and then I leave. And now you start reverting back. That's what we're going to be looking at today. My challenge as we sit here and we we wrestle with this. What are you adding into your gospel? What are you adding to the gospel? Or is the gospel completely enough? See, the gospel of Christ is enough for Paul. He completely understands that day on Damascus when he, his life completely changed. And he found the grace of God. He found the love of God. His life was completely, radically changed changed and altered. He understood that grace was enough. At, his, at this moment in time of him going out on his own path, Christ entered in and said, no, son, this is, this is not the path. This is not what it is. It's me. What Paul's talking about when he's talking about the Mosaic law, Paul Paul's not even, you know, he's, he's sitting here saying like, listen up. The law did just what just that for Israel, okay? The law did one thing. It, it set them up. It, it set Israel up for this time. In Paul's day, the law was set for a purpose. The law that God gave to the Israel people as they were exiting out in Exodus, as he gave them that, he was sitting here saying, Hey, the, the law, you're, you're not going to be able to follow it, but I'm going to give you this law as rules, as regulations to strive to. What God was really hoping was that the Israelites would lean in to the law and have this right understanding that, man, this law is hard. I can't fulfill this. There is no way. Like, I'll be honest with you. You ask me to try to live that old mosaic law, I love bacon. It's just not happening. All right? My brother loves some bacon. Okay? The law was set up not for salvation. The law wasn't set and intended for them to, to, to have a new life. The law was set to shine a light towards the Messiah. And Paul understood that. He understand that. Dude, if you're going to live and die off the law, if you're going to add the gospel plus the old Mosaic law, the gospel and circumcision, the gospel and these rules, dude, you, you just discounted the gospel. Because you're saying it's not enough. My question is, you guys are sitting here and you're listening Man, what are you adding to it? What do you add? Is it the gospel and how well you're known in the community? Is it the gospel and, you know, hey, my business, my funds, the gospel and my family? See, what, what Paul is in here saying the gospel, the way we live out the gospel, it should be incorporated in everything. We should be the gospel out into our community. Not the gospel. Plus, we got to add something extra. It's completely that, and that's where he's struggling. He loves these people so much. He loves this this this, this area, this surrounding town, these villages, this, this this group, people group. He loves them so much, and he's seeing them trusting in something that, that's not going to give them life. The law was essentially a disciplinary for the Israelites. However, the need for that kind of assistance ended when Christ came. The Mosaic law was never intended to provide salvation for for the lost Israelites. God gave it to his redeemed people, but it was supposed to lead them to Christ. It was supposed to prepare their hearts and lean in. They were supposed to lean into the law and lean in and say, God, I can't fulfill this. Like, dude, there's no way I can do this. Because the minute they would have done that, the minute Israelite would have said, oh, these folks, if they would have just said, God, I can't do that. He would have been cheering like, yes, you guys get it. You're not supposed to. That's why I'm going to send someone who can fulfill this law, who can fulfill this perfectly. It was only supposed to be a light. See, the Jews were not born through the law, but rather were brought up by the law. So the law did not give light to Israel. It regulated it. I love, I love this response from Paul. If you look at chapter 3, I'm reading out of the NIV. Scott was like, use the ESP. It's in the pews. I'm like, no, all my notes are in my NIV. So mine might read a little different. But in, in chapter 3, verse 1, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly, clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing? And that's what Paul's trying to get at. Man, you didn't receive anything by, by this law. Because you couldn't have. There's no way. You couldn't have fulfilled it. You, there's nothing you can do personally in your lifetime to fulfill this law perfectly. And that's why Paul is so heartbroken. That's why as we, as we move and we look at chapter 3, and we're going to start here at verse 15 through 25, Paul is trying to show them that there's something greater than the law. There's something greater than, than what you guys are doing right now. It reads, brothers, this is chapter 3, verse 15. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life, just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been uh, duly established. So it is in this case, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say seeds, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise, but God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of the transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was was put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promise of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scriptures declare that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. So that what is promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to the Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Paul is starting to break it down for the Galatians as we read. In this verse sixteen, what we're talking about this promise, this 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 thing is you know this covenant, this promissory you note know, this this thing that had to be fulfilled that God was like, hey, like Abram, the Messiah is going to come through you, and that was that was that was said and established way before the law. See, the thing is, God can't change. As I was sitting here and I was reading this, and it, was a, it was the second week into wrestling, and I had to do a parent meeting. Okay, as a head coach, you got to have a parent meeting, and they want to talk to you and hang out, and you got to talk to parents. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I even asked one of the coaches, like, do I really have to do a parent meeting? Can I just send out an email? He's like, no, you just have to do it. So, okay, as a new head coach, I come into this valley, into this school, and I'm sitting here like, man, okay, what is my coaching philosophy? Like, who am I as a coach? What am I going to represent? What do I have to offer And so I'm sitting here one night, it's probably 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting here typing away, I can't sleep, I'm nervous for this parent meeting. I started writing my thoughts about what it would be like, if I could imagine like a perfect coach, like an amazing coach that would not only teach his kid something great, but would love on his kid, would hang out with his kid, would build his kid up, be his champion, his cheerleader, like what would a parent want? And I started thinking, man, I'm writing this, like, I'm going. I'm like, dude, Jeff, this sounds great. I'm writing this little thing up to hand out to parents, like, this little philosophy, like, I did something great. And I started reading, I was like, dude, I'll never be able to fulfill this. Like, there's no way. So, like, I, let, let's take this out, or let's take that, especially when it comes to time, because I'm always, like, a little, you know, shady on time. I'm just like, we're taking this out, we're taking that out. It got to this point where it was this little bare-bone philosophy, and it was, and I said to myself, "I can live this out. Like in my humanistic self, I can live out this. So the minute I handed that to a parent, and a parent reads this, is what as a coach, this is what I'm going to fulfill. I just made a contract with that coach or with that parent. I said, 'This is what I'm, these are my standards. What I'm going to hold it to.'" I wonder when God, I started thinking as that same night I was sitting here trying to go through this and and writing my paper. Man, when God sat there with Abraham and was like, hey, we're going to make a covenant and I'm going to give you the the Messiah. Did God sit here and go, man, am I going to keep that? No. He didn't. He says, hey, this is going to happen and boom, it's done. Sign sealed and delivered. That's what Paul was teaching these folks in Galatia about that promise that we're going to be we're going to have this inheritance. We're going to have this. We're going to be in this relationship with God. Like he's going to give us an opportunity to be in a right standing relationship with with him through his son. Why would you want to add anything to that? Like stop and think about that for a minute. Why would you want to add anything to it? To this gospel, this here, what we have here. What makes you think As a human, you have anything to offer. That was hard. Reading this. It was hard for me because I had to do a report. And this is funny how everything comes together. I had to do a report, a ministry report for Young Life. And I'm sitting here one day and I'm at the computer. And I'm tightening up this, this article. We got a new regional regional guy. And I'm writing this report. And because I care so much about what this guy thinks, I'm blowing myself up. And I even to throw in a couple pieces of scripture just to show them I'm biblical. Boom, boom, boom. Look at this. Oh, yeah. This is the ministry. We're doing good. It's great. Everything's amazing. And I'm sitting here and I read this and I go to tears because everything I wrote was a complete lie. See, I, what I did was I had the gospel plus what someone thought of me. Instead of trusting that, hey, Jeff, that's the new regional guy's name, Jeff, right now ministry is struggling because of X, Y, and Z. Instead of just coming out and being honest, because I wanted to worry about what man thought, I, I try to embellish it. And as I sit there reading this, I'm sitting here saying, I don't believe in the promise. Right now, I don't believe in this gospel. It hurt. But then as I kept going, I got to verse 20. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. And it's this thought that God is making this promise. Now, catch that. It's a promise. It's, Yeah, they say a covenant. But really, if you stop and think about it, it's a promise. God is sitting here writing this promise to Abraham. And he knows Abraham is going to struggle. He's got sin nature. He's he's not going to be able to fulfill any part of this. So God sets it on himself to fulfill it by being that mediator. By being the representative for this covenant. Now, how beautiful is that? To know, like... For me personally, there's nothing I can do that can make him stop loving me. See, that's what, he's, that's what Paul is sitting here trying to tell the Galatians. Like, there's nothing you can do. These Greeks over here, these Gentiles, they don't need to get circumcised. They don't need to follow in the strict dietary uh, uh, law. They don't have to, to follow this stuff. All they got to do is believe in the gospel. That's it. Like, just think for a second. How freeing is that if someone was to tell you, you don't have to do anything. If you're a father here today, you don't have to do anything except follow the gospel. As a father, I struggle right now. I got a 20-something-year-old kid. He's turning 21 in April. Our relationship is ugly. It's, it's dysfunctional. And, and as I'm sitting here a couple of weeks ago, we're talking on the phone, and I had to stop because I was going to say something completely outlandish and crazy and stupid and probably ruin our relationship. I had to stop and sit here and say, Jesus, I need you to take over this relationship because I am not a good enough father to do it. I don't know what that looks like because I don't even have a father. I didn't grow up with a dad, so I don't know what it looks like. And I tell you what, after the conversation with my son, it was love. Love. There was hope. there was communication, and it was because instead of me trying to be this guy like, "Oh, this out has to be, I said, "God, I'm going to submit this relationship to you because I suck at it." And someone's going to probably get, "Mad, Oh, he used stuck in the pulpit, so what? It sucked. Okay? It sucks. My relationship with my son sucks until God intervened, until I said, "Hey, I can't do this anymore." It's the same thing as being a husband. I suck at it. Really do. Until I sit here and say, God, I need you to take this over. Life being a youth pastor, I'm terrible. And until I say, God, it's not about me. Like it's really not. Like, dude, this is you gotta take this, man. Like I can't do it anymore. But do you guys do that? Like, honestly, like tell tell yourselves right now do you literally say, man, I put everything and anything before the gospel? If you say no, I'm going to call you out right now. You're a liar. You're a liar. If you sit here and say, I don't put anything before the gospel, because I bet you there's someone in here that puts their job before the gospel, their credentials before the gospel. Their children before the gospel, their wife before the gospel, their, their circumstances before the gospel. Because trust me, when I was going down this list, I was like, dude, <laughs> Ooh. that's why I'm sweating now. It's like, God, why am I even here? Like, why am I doing this? Because I'm struggling. Because I wasn't looking for this person that was going to fulfill it, man, the keeper of the promise. I was, I was looking at Jeffrey. Oh, Jeffrey can do it. I wasn't looking at Christ. I wasn't looking at the Messiah. I wasn't looking at my Savior, my Lord, my King. I was looking at myself. It's ugly in the mirror. That's the struggle. It even tells us, Paul says, man, he tells us right off the the, the gate. If If you look at verse 22, but the scriptures declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. We're stuck in it. There's nothing we can do to get out of it except trust in him. Like, do we trust? Now I'm going to hit home. I'm going to drive it home. And I told Scott, like, dude, people are going to probably hate me. I'm serious. I wasn't joking. I was dead serious. I probably won't be back here next week. Because I said, let me look at my church body. Dude, is my church body live in this? Does my church body believe in the gospel? Are we so content in ourselves? Are we are we fixing ourselves? Are we when when things get happen, we withdraw? Because that's what I see. Man, I'm, I've only been here for four years, and I tell you what, right now, these last four years have been pathetic. Because instead of us, like Paul is sitting here saying, leaning into the gospel, we're withdrawing from the gospel. I'm good. I don't want to be a part of your your family. Instead of leaning in, that's what Paul is sitting here saying. Like, even with the law, the law was never intended to save us, but the law was intended for us to, like, lean into it, to, to, to look to it, so we can be dependent on God and, like, say, God, I can't I can't fulfill this. Can you do it for me? So he can be our cheerleader. So he can be, right, wow, yes, they're asking for me. But we don't. We don't. We withdraw. It's getting kind of pathetic as a church body. Because I know, I feel like sometimes, man, when I'm struggling, I look out here and I'm like, I bet you guys don't know what I struggle with. (sighs) I bet you don't. I bet you don't understand my my struggles with lust and anger or alcohol. You don't get it. Why? Because you guys are in my life. So when I struggle with my bride or my son and you guys just see this big, goofy, happy guy, and you have no idea because you don't know me. Paul is sitting here saying, I want to know you guys. Like, I want you to trust in the gospel. Not in anything you can do, but trust in this. Trust in the promise. The person who's going who's to give it to us. Because verse 24, the fulfillment. I mean, this is. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. That we might be justified by faith. Like, just let that sink in. Like, that's how the law was supposed to work. It was supposed to show us. It was supposed to drive it home in our hearts. It was supposed to sit here and say, dude, man, Jeff, like, you're not doing this well. And and, and this gospel is us living together and sitting here saying man, like, Jeff, you're not, you're not doing too good. You know because you're in my life and you're, you're explaining this stuff to me, but here I am. I'm, a, I'm the youth pastor for Little Stone Church or Livingstone Church. And I'm on an island because no one's leaning in because our church family, we just, eh, I'll, I'll, I'll lean in when I'm, it's comfortable. When, when, I, when I got time, do you know how pathetic and hard that is? Think about your life right now. In your job, in your family, in your situation. How awesome would it be if you had a group of individuals that leaned in with you? That's what we're supposed to do as a church. That's what Paul is in here saying. We're supposed to trust in this gospel. Jesus leaned in for us. What makes us any better than him? Why was he able to lean into his 12 and then he had his three? What makes us any different? Like, really ask yourself, I, I, I hope someone's offended today. I really am. Because I'm broken. Everyone thinks everything's great. This is what we don't do in verse 25. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. And I'm going I'm to substitute this law with whatever is the junks inside of us. Are we truly understanding what it means to have this un- Wavering love from Jesus, because He's leaned in on us. Like we don't have to, we don't have to abide the law. It's not sitting here saying, "Let's throw the law, the law out." What it's sitting here saying is, "Let's look at the law to show us to Christ." Knowing we can't fulfill the law, but He can fulfill it completely. And if I trust in Him. When I struggle with anything in this law or if I struggle and I can't fulfill it, if my sin is broken or something, man, I still have him. But I can't find any salvation or hope in the law. I'm I'm a sinner. So it has to just be just the gospel. That's what's fulfilled. That's what Paul is sitting here sharing. As As I wrap it up. I want us to just struggle with this question, like, is the gospel completely enough? It was about a month ago, I was up late, YouTubing it, just to see what would come up. I I punched in stubborn Christians. You laugh, I'm dead serious. And then I I punched in, like, lazy Christians. This video came up twice. Because sometimes I think as Christians we we forget some things. We we forget that it's completely by God's grace that we're even here. That's why I love Paul so much. Like this dude is a persecutor of Christians, killed him, was trying to arrest him. He, He knew the law. He knew all he knew the right stuff to say. But he, he went opposite it because he, he wanted his own stuff. He wanted his own, his own glory, his own way. That's why I love Paul because Paul gets, you know, as I, as before this video, I, I'm going to set this up really quick. I just think about it. This, this the group of Galatians, this, 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 this area, this region, you got to think about it. They don't have a big old church they go to, okay? So it's little homes, right? And you got to think, okay, this letter is being passed around. Someone's, oh, dude, Paul got a letter. They probably was like excited, like, oh, Paul's got a letter. Let me read it. Yay. And then they start reading. It's like, dude, you guys are foolish. Oh, man. Like, I started imaging myself there as Paul was, as it was reading this letter from Paul. And I started putting myself in as like, man, I'm missing the boat. So I was just looking, like I said, stubborn Christians, lazy Christians. Just, I don't know. I don't even know why. I was bored at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. Doing homework. This video came up. It's a two-minute video. I tell you what, when I watched this video, it completely changed my day, my night. Because for the longest time, for this past season, it wasn't just the gospel for me. It was something and then the gospel if I had time. After watching this video, man, I had to just ask for forgiveness. Like, I literally, I was in tears. Like, there's some struggles that are going on in our household that, like, just, man. And I had to ask for forgiveness. And this video, I have to sit here and say this guy, Matt Chandler, and he explains it super clear on the gospel. And my question, my challenge as we watch this is the gospel enough for you?
1: Christ in the flesh.
0: You gotta stop and think for a moment. Like, the same power that raised Jesus Christ is the same power that we have access to. But so often, we sometimes forget that because we wanna add something to it. I don't know about you guys, but like, man. This next season, I want to make it a purpose to be completely dependent on the gospel and the gospel alone. I don't know what that looks like. The coolest thing is, I want to go on that ride, but I don't want to go on it alone. So my question, my challenge... Is is the gospel enough? Or or do we revert back to our own gospel? It's going back to the story of my wrestler who's on us at our first meet, and and we tell him, you don't never reach back, because the minute you reach back, you get pinned. I don't want to get pinned. I don't want to get pinned in my faith. I want to stand bold in it. I don't want to reach back. It's a no-no. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to what's comfortable, back to what's known. Just as a wrestler doesn't want to reach back, he doesn't want to get pinned. Sad story is, this kid got pinned. He was, he was probably probably going to be one of our state placers. First match out, and he got pinned. because he reverted back. How often do we get pinned in life? How often do we revert back? How often do we shrink away? That's not what Paul is in here saying. He is literally sitting here saying, just trust in the gospel, and that's it. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you for how you just used Paul to to not only reach the people of Galatia, but also to reach the people of this valley, Lord, with your gospel. The fact that your, your love for us, you showed it through your son. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for this morning. And then, Lord, I just challenge each and every one of us here that we, we just understand that the gospel is all we need. And the gospel is super simple. It's You gave us your son to fulfill the requirement of our sin. Man. Thank you for that. We ask that in your son's name. Amen.